Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. They've been awesome. And uh, the second thing is this. And actually, it's just a little house like I like to see in those space. Awesome. Get that. Um, the other thing is this. You know, this morning, we're singing this song, Good, Good Father. Um, actually, we can bring these down. Um, otherwise, I'm going to look pasty. And, uh, even though I am, I just want you to know that. Uh, there we go. Awesome. Hey, you look pasty, too. Um, so the other thing is this. That good, good father to some of you. Um, you know, within this song, sometimes it's really hard for us to see, depending on what our relationship is, what it's dark, because a lot of times God, how we see our father. And so, for some of us, it's really, it's really a tough song to see. And I just want to encourage you, especially with the message today and everything that has to be in and through, that you would see God with who he really is, not just our perception of who he is today. So just be open to that. If you have a Bible, I want you to open up with me to Jonah chapter 3. That's where we find ourselves in this message called Under Construction. And uh, we are in chapter 3. We've got one more chapter next week as we close this book out. How many have enjoyed this? This has been a fun one. I've, I've really enjoyed this. So um, this has been, I, I like sometimes taking content and going verse by verse, you know, through the Word of God. Sometimes it's just fun to see it come alive. And I like just imagining what was it like actually in the day? Why is this, you know, happening? How, how is it like this? And, uh, um, you know, we looked at chapter one a couple weeks ago. Chapter one is really where God speaks to Jonah. And what did he do? Do you remember what, what did he do? He, he found a boat, right? Gets in the boat. He's like, I'm going to run away as far away as possible from God because we all know that works really well. And, and then we find out last week in chapter two, um, in chapter two, we find out that here he is. God is speaking to a ginormous fish. Okay. And the fish swallows Jonah and eventually vomits him out onto the beach to, you know, basically go to the Ninevites where he was called to go to. And so chapter one, God speaks to Jonah. Chapter two, okay, eventually God, um, you know, speaks to Jonah or basically Jonah prays and he speaks to God. And then we find right here in chapter three that God's going to speak through Jonah this morning. And so um, it's kind of interesting how it all collaborates together. It's an incredible story. So if you have the Bible with you, turn with me to Jonah chapter if you don't, that's okay. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Now, some of us think that, you know, this is uh, this is all about the fish, or we consider it a whale, or some of you are, are painting nurseries, and you're painting this on your nursery walls. Stop it. This is, this is not the story. This, for Noah's Ark, you know, the elimination of mankind that you paint on your child's nursery. You just don't do that for whatever we do. Um, but before I go any further, I want to, I'm going to embarrass somebody this morning, and uh, they'll, they'll be okay with it, I hope. Um, but we have been praying for a family within our church, and they are here this morning, and they have little baby Henry, and that's Caleb and Becky Stafford. So welcome, guys. Is he good? Is he healthy? Amen. So we've been praying for you weekly, and so we're just here to embarrass you and you're in the spotlight. So there you go. Um, here we go. Jonah chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And proclaim to it the message I give you. Okay, so he's going to receive a message from God that he's going to teach, he's going to give him. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days 
to go through it. This city is like just ginormous. It's incredible. One of the great cities of the day. It's an evil city. A lot's going on. How does he get here? Jonah doesn't want to get here. And so chapter one, he's like, God, I'm going to run. The sailors throw him out. The sailors get saved. Chapter two happens. Okay, Jonah finally turns to God and says, okay, God, whatever you say, I'll do. Gets, you know, He's in the fish. He's all tight. It's nasty. It's gross. He gets spit out, vomited out onto the onto the beach. And he's sitting here. And now we think, well, the fish is the you know the hero because God spoke to the prophet. The prophet didn't obey. God speaks to the fish. The fish obeys. So the fish is greater than the prophet. No, not at all. Right? I talked about that last week. The fish essentially is just God's version of humor. That's okay. That's all fish is to get you from point A to point B, God's point B. Okay, and so here he is, and he finds himself ready to make this journey to this incredibly evil city where he gets spit out, and where Nineveh is. This is this is the character of our God, and I don't know if he had it coming to him or what. It's five hundred miles. Okay. Think about this. Jonah gets barfed up on, you know, the beach. Nobody wants that. And and you get barfed up on the beach, and you you smell. You ever smell vomit? It's nasty. Okay? It's gross. It's disgusting. That's what he smells like. He's been in this fish for three days, and, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go talk to some people, you know? Like, yeah, great, God, thanks. And thanks, God, now I get to walk 500 miles through this desert on my way to go and preach this message that you have given me. It's got to be a God, because otherwise, why am I even doing this? And so he goes. So he smells like fish. He smells like stuff. There's no old spice yet. Oh, man. He is nasty, stinky dirt. This is like the guy. I tell my daughter this. I said, if you ever bring home a boy, and she's, you know, turned 15 next week, I bring home a boy. This is what I'll say. You know, I'll, I'll look him up and down, and I'll kind of eye him up. And I'll just say to him, I don't mind going back to prison. And that's it. All I'll say, okay, that's it. You know, this probably is the way that Jonah looked. Like, I'm not here from that prophet of God. There's no way that the word of God can speak out of this guy who's dirty, who's dingy, and who didn't obey God in the first place. Jonah is considered by many scholars to be kind of the Peter of the Peter did what? Peter did what? He, he denied Christ. And then Jesus has the guts to say, I'm going to build my church upon this rock, talking about Peter. And he builds the church, and the church thrives. How do we know that? We're here right now. And so the deal is, Jonah is kind of the Peter of the Old Testament saying, I'm denying that God is going to speak to me and lead me to go and do this. And so he doesn't do it. And he says no. And eventually in chapter 2, we see him praying to God, coming to his senses, and finally saying, God, whatever it is, I'll do. And he gets thrown up in the worst possible circumstances to go to this city that's actually going to kill you. Let's see this. This is kind of the same story for many of our lives here. This story speaks to me and I pray it speaks to you. How so? God told you something in your life going to Yes, he speaks all the time. It's not out of He God speaks and he says, I want you to go do so-and-so. And how many times do we not do it? I don't know if that's really what they call it. We kind of become our own naysayer. We don't do it. Kind of what Jonah did. We're somewhat Jonah. Well, here's what's really interesting about this whole story. God loves, think about this, the city of Nineveh. He loves Jonah. He speaks to Jonah. He loves the sailors. He saves the sailors in chapter 1. He saves Jonah in chapter 2. Chapter 3 is about to save the Ninevites. God loves the city. I don't know if you catch this, but we talked a couple of weeks ago about how evil this city was, set up by a guy named Nimrod, 
They worship these warlike gods that are basically demons that they're worshiping, and they're falling away from God. They're saying, we're not going to worship you. And what does God do? Because the God of the Old Testament, he just kills people and murders them, and he's not forgiving, not gracious, right? Here's the God of the Old Testament. What does he do? He says, I want to see Nineveh saved. I want to see Nineveh whole. I want to see Nineveh walking the way they should be. And so God cares for this city before this city ever cared about God. It's crazy. This is That's the God of the Old Testament. In fact, in Nahum chapter 3, one of the minor prophets in the Bible, one of the books in the Old Testament, in Nahum, he writes this. He says, he says, Nineveh was just inundated and known for these things. It was known for witchcraft. It was known for their prostitution. It was known for child sacrifice, known for murder. This is crazy. They would abuse women. And then it says in Nahum, they would actually stack bodies in the streets with roads. Because of all the murders that would take. Nobody went to Nineveh. I know we give Jonah a bad name. You and I would not go either. sense from a logical scholarly point. Okay? Crazy about them. And not only is he crazy about them, but he has a plan for Nineveh and eventually desires to utilize them. Can I just say this boldly this morning? If God had a heart for Nineveh, God has a heart for St. Francis in this community. Okay? He does. He does. God cares about our city. Thousands of years later. Okay? Probably about 3,000 years later. St. Francis. Now he loves us, okay? So why are you here? We're here for what? Are you like, man, I'm, I'm here because it was cheap land or the housing market was cheap. Or, you know, what, what, what drew you to St. Francis? It's either you're here on purpose or by mistake. I think it's by purpose. Why are you think about this? Even though Jonah has a personal relationship we find in chapter two with God, what he wants is just the God, I believe in you, but I'm good. That's it. I'll raise your hand, but how many of us are? Our mentality becomes in St. Francis in the surrounding area. How many have seen this? Don't raise your hand because this is some of us here. But we're like, I'm on my land. You alone, you leave me alone. You know, you need me. What happens is this. We move up here for that. We love our area. We love our five acres, whatever. You know, my case. And then what happens is we end up with two No, I don't want you to have it for in my life. Actually, we get all my way. Comfort and convenience keep us from our God-given mission individually and as a church. And so Jonah, what does he do? He finally goes. He didn't really have a choice, okay? I mean, he really didn't. I mean, God's like, here you go. You got swallowed by this fish. Now you're here. What's your options? You either say no to God or you walk 500 miles going, I might die. He's already maybe going to die. Maybe going to drown. And, you know, 
He gets out of Washington, 500 miles to a city where not enough people knew. Then if I didn't know the Lord, they had no idea. Can I just say, because there's a lot of similarity in our town, our mission, our community that there is with Nineveh. There's a reason we're preaching and teaching the school today. In fact, there are not enough people in St. Francis now that in this area that know the Lord Jesus Christ. If there were, you might as well shut the door. There are not. How do we know that? Well, there's data from data. Back in 2000, county data, in Oakland County, if you go to citydata.com, that's the number. In 2000, you had 130,546 people had no religious or church education. In the Oakland County, 130,000. Fast forward 10 years, data of 10 years ago. County data in 2010. Remember, 2000, it's 130,000 that no religious or church affiliation whatsoever. 2010, six years ago, seven years ago, 166,000 had no religious or church affiliation. Okay? And you might say, well, that's because the population increased. That's why the population in 2010 and only increased 30,000. You can't tell me every single one. 330,000 people in Anoka County. That means just about half have no religious or church affiliation whatsoever. There's not enough people here to know the Lord. Are we on a mission or what? On a mission. You, ready? Wake up call this morning. You are a missionary. You are the pastor. Uh-uh. Feeding forces I put you in the ministry. You are a missionary. That's not why I moved here. Not my joy got to be Fish. But God will use those circumstances. We're on a mission together. If we said, well, you know what? I gave my life to Christ. It's really my get out of hell card that I'm going to play and I'm going to hold on to. And that, that's the whole reason I do it. In fact, I'm just obeying because I have to. I don't want to do this. But God hasn't taken you in the tunnel for anything. So he must not be done. Can I just say that boldly this morning? Let's read on these next verses. Jonah, verse 4, put it up on the screen, began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming. Check this out. Message sermon. The only sermon Jonah ever preaches that we know, know about. Shortest sermon ever written in the Bible. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now that's conviction. Wow, that's encouraging. You're going to go to hell. You're gonna, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. If you don't get right, you're going to get left. I mean, all right, Jonah, here you go. Really encouraging that. Life-giving right there. Isn't that just spot on? Then he keeps going. I love this. The Ninevites believe God. Does no one else see the humor here? You're going to die, we believe. Fasteners broke my heart. And all of them, from the tables to the least, put on sackcloth and put on that kind of fasting. I'm mourning. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. No king gets up. Every guy here knows you don't get up for a lot. You have that for a moment, okay? Throne of that. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. 
Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And check this, this is my favorite, this, this, this chapter is so incredibly humorous in the Hebrew language. The king says this, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we might not perish. At this point, I'll tell you what, Jonah's sermon started. Okay? Here, here's the deal. Either Jonah, this was a short, or this was a summary, or, or maybe Jonah was one of those kids in the school. I know none of us were this kid, but the kid that does just the minimum to get by. He's like, that's all I got to do. I'm obeying God. I did, I did the minimum that I was supposed to do. And then he doesn't talk in his message that God loves you, God will forgive you, God will meet you right where This was not a bridge church message, okay? This was a fire, hell, and brimstone message. That's what this was. And it works, okay? Why does it work? Because sometimes five words aren't enough. It wasn't about Jonah. God did not save the people of Nineveh, Nineveh because of And revival breaks out. He calls out to have something I am sorry for. Okay? Or, or repentance, or, or this day with, with prayer and with fasting. It's this day that he calls. And that's what he says we're going to do. We're just going to have a day where we get together. We're, and I don't know if you caught this, but he says we're going to put these robes and these cups on the animals. I mean, he's going, he's like, we're not taking any chance. Just to give you an idea. Last week we had, you know, a turn of events in our nation. If you don't know what that is, and you'll see it this afternoon and it might be packed. No, but here's, here's what it is. We, we had inauguration day on Friday. President Trump is your president, whether you like it or not. Okay? And as a Christian, you're called to pray for him. We're called to lift him up and pray for him. Okay? And, uh, there's bashing on both sides and I'm tired of it. So my little public service announcement is, as a Christian, let's make sure people know what we stand for. Second is this. This would be like our president elect saying that he was the king of Nineveh. He would stop the press and say, here's what we're going to do. He says, I realize as America, you know, what we want to do is, is we need to say we're sorry. We're going to call all politicians, all lobbyists, all people, every nation, every city, every rural area to repent. And we're going to have a day in America of repentance where we just say, God, I'm sorry. And the president goes, well, it's Trump or anybody, says, who knows what will happen? God might show up. We don't know. But we're going to get our stinking hearts right. That's it. Okay. Now, I'm not here saying, well, that's because the last president didn't do his job. He's here. That's not what I'm saying. This could be Obama. This could be Trump. This could be whoever saying, we're going to take the change from the past. Say, God, we want to do How many of you, if that happened, you think, okay, God, that's what happened in Nineveh. A revival breaks out because God loved them. God wanted them. The king said, the whole book of Jonah is where Jonah says, I'm not going to go. And he runs away from God. What's interesting here is the exact opposite. Learn the Hebrew language here. It's the exact opposite of a word called repentance which means you turn away from. It's a different turn. It's a play on words here. Where Jonah says, no longer, and I'm, you know, 
I'm, I'm running away from God. And the Ninevites say, we're going to repent and actually turn towards God. There's a whole difference that happens here. And then the says, yes, to him. The king says, who knows? Who knows? But the king's got to be thinking, because Nineveh's off, they're killing people, they got prostitution, they got child sacrifice, all this going on. And he's got to be thinking in his mind, I hope God does not treat us the way that we treated others. It's got to be in his mind. It's got to be. Biggest revival, one of the biggest revivals we read about in the Bible happens in this town. It's got to be in Okay? With a guy who's on will, says very few words, he never repents. Okay? God's word works, even if it's Bible. His word's powerful. And so we constantly need divine revelation, not human speculation. That's what Jonah received. And he had that, and he preached. Can I just say this? When the word of God shows up, it changes people change, cities change, kings change, government officials change, families change. And in Nineveh becomes this humble repentance. And can I say that's the power of God's word? It says in the Bible, Jesus is the word of God. That's what that's Now, if you disagree with God's word, you're a skeptic like I was before I gave my life to Christ. Here's what's cool about this story. Jonah goes, he's stinky, sweaty, they receive this message, the king issues this decree, things change, revival breaks out. You thought about this story? There was no he, he did this not knowing what God could have still destroyed them. He said, yeah, 40 days to do this. They did it right away. They didn't wait. They are like, this is urgent. We want to we get our city right, right away. And so they get things right, right away. They repent. They move on. Let's read verse 10, the last verse in the, in the scripture here. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he what? God what? It's kind of like this. One of my favorite shows is what I love But it's kind of like this. It's in the cop show where the Ninevites are really like that criminal who's got the gun and he's like ready to shoot. He's ready to kill. He's ready to destroy. And the FBI shouts out, we got you surrounded. Drop it now, man, or we're going to open up fire. And the, the criminal's got a choice to make. Either you know, I go for it. I'm going out in glory, boy. Or or what do you do? You drop a weapon. You're like, okay, I can't. You know, they have a choice. Do you keep fighting for who we are and their identity? Or do they give up their entire identity as a city to say yes to this God whom they know nothing about? They know five words of this God. That's it. And you're like, we're in three years. Drop your gun. And they say, I don't know if we're going to be destroyed. I don't know what's going to happen. But we're going to take a risk. We're going to take a risk on this living God who we believe came to save our nation. See? Mission. God loves our sin, our sin, just as He did 
and principles. Having a heart for St. Francis is not something that happens when you meet something that you are new to You don't have to be on that purpose, correct? You don't need to have a heart for St. Francis to get to it. You get to have a heart for St. Francis. But man, St. Francis, now then, I don't know, we're just kind of making it by. There's all this. God's got all of this. Okay? I'm not going to be this. God didn't need Jonah, nor does God need us. God chose Jonah. He chose that to choose to be. For a specific mission. Not for the church. Yes, this is what we're about. We're comfortable with where we're at. We go, hey, we got we got the building, we got the hipster looking aluminum thing over here, and we're good, you know. We got epoxy floors, not even comfortable enough. We're all there, let's try to take the We've arrived! Ah! And that's where we're at. I'm not. We don't accept for us, we exist for them. God has given, I believe, in his pastor mission for our church that is Christ centered so that he remains in focus. So that we can have the biggest, most efficient impact of God as See, missions for a church, they're birthed from burdens. I have a heavy burden. Vision is a little different. Vision is what we should all be doing. We should all be connected to the Lord God. That should be vision in every church. But vision without action is just a thing. All it is. And action without vision does not engage us. So God has called us to things that we could not do. He's called us to things that we do not know. I can meet you on this mission. I need you on this mission. I can't do this mission by myself. Pastor Matt can't do this mission by myself. But I can do this mission by myself. But I can do this mission by myself. But I can do this mission by myself. Means that we have to step up in areas where they never have. And one of those kudos to you is financially, I've never stepped up better than you have. 
Unless, unless you're like one years old or two and you can't write yet, that's okay. Um, well, it doesn't matter your age. God wants you to do part of this mission. So I'm asking you to commit today. Here's what we're doing. We are in need of a few things. I'm just going to be very honest with you. And we'll wrap this up together. This is just my pushback for a moment. I'll invite our worship to come up. We are in need of a head Bottom up and boot. We're doing a great job. We have a great look at this. We're looking for kids' teachers. We're like, man, you just want to go kids. We don't want kids. We have a great team, man. It's not like we're, we're missing people, but we want to have the right people in the right place, the right ministry, the right mission. What's life giving to you? You're like, I hate you. Somebody, yeah, amen. Well, let's try a new pizza place every week. I don't think sound like great smaller pizzas. Or hey, you know what? We're gonna have a small group called people where we're just gonna take the Bible from the music. We're gonna we're gonna dig into what it really means interpretation. Some of us that scares us to death so we just need it. And then there's this place where it's like I just want to connect with other people. You're going, man, I'm a single at church and Pastor Chris talks about family and kids all the time. What am I supposed to do? I have my It's single smoker, all right? Like there's all these things, and unfortunately, if you keep going, what's the problem with the harvest mission? And you want to know how? Here's how. It would be great to have the next mission. I've been at a church before. They get together at breakfast Saturday morning. I can tell you what, I've been to some men's breakfast before. The guys, you know how to cook. Right? You know, maybe that's what God's leading you. Or women's ministry. It's one of things. We are in need of immediate presence. Somebody that knows the peace out of the max and peace and all that and cables and how to do things and make videos. I did, that is like, that is like the least thing for me. Alright? I don't know how to do that at all. We want to up our technological game. I cannot. I'm up my max putting together PowerPoint. Okay? That's me. We'd love to have a midweek family service at the church where, you know, my wife and I used to lead a kid ministry on Wednesday nights. And, uh, we had some people say, are you going to continue to lead that? We said, We'd love to the early youth group and the small group and the church and the children's ministry aspects. We just can't have some of this. We can't do it. We haven't had anyone that's announced that. You know, um, we we had people, you know, we had an intro dinner last Sunday night in Boston. We had whole families that came over to Western Center. Great time. And some of them we asked, how did you hear about the church? And some of them drive by for a wave. And that's not a real important ministry. During the young it's a great place for those kind of come to us to be. We need every single one of us to be open to the new person. We want people serving us in our 
created for a commodity is now representative of the chain of long time ago. Better be prayer, power of the Holy Spirit, Christ at the center. Can we just agree that those are the things at the top? Okay, those those are the things at the top of the list. These are things that are on top of that foundation that have been studied out from multiple different churches. Here they are. I'm gonna I'm gonna shock on this to you really quick. I don't have bullet points on my PowerPoint for this. So if you want this you can get it later and listen to the podcast. But here they are. Number one, they have leaders that lead. They have leaders that lead. Okay? People that step up and say, I'm gonna do this. We're not looking for people to come and ask permission. Just lead. We'll support you. Number two, a desperation for God's power. Are we desperate? How desperate are we? Number three, the churches that succeed believe the greater things are in store for them. You believe that greater things are in store for the bridge. You're like, ah, we're scared. My prayer is that you get excited about what's in store for us as a church. Number four, ready for this one? They're full of ordinary people. Come on, somebody. That's me. I'm ordinary, you know? I have, sometimes we'll have couples that'll come and they'll come for a while and they'll share with me. They said, man, you know what? We're going to be leaving your church. I'll say, why? Tell me why. What's, what's going on? And they said, well, your ministry here is just not where it should be. And they'll tell me a specific ministry. And I'll say, well, tell me more. But they're like, well, at my old church. And I said, well, what's the name of your old church? Well, Eagle Brook. And I would say, I said to them, you're comparing us to Eagle Brook? Like, really? But they got like, it's awesome. I appreciate that. We're just going to be called to who, what we need to be, Bob Merritt, and that awesome church is going to be called to what they need to be. We're going to lift them up. They're lifting us up. That's what it's about. It's a kingdom thing. We're here to build his kingdom, not a castle. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? Number five, they leverage technology. Dude, we need people that know technology. Some of you are nerdy like that. I'm not. Okay? Number six, the church is full of passion. Are we passionate about what Jesus is doing in our lives, in each other's lives, and together as a communal group? Number seven, they take ownership in the Great Commission. In other words, we refuse as a church to be keepers of the aquarium and instead embrace the command of Jesus to reach the world for Him. Are we sending people out? Are we trying to start churches? Absolutely. Are we doing that? Are we trying to encourage other churches? Yes. Number eight, there's a will. Amen. There's a willingness to change and adapt. You have any sacred cows? You okay with change and adaptation? We are as a church. We change all Number nine, generosity is embraced. And I just want to say thank you. This church is known for the generosity in so many ways, both inside the church and outside the church. In fact, I just want to share one thing. I'll share the last one. We receive our offering this morning, okay? Um, I received a call from uh, St. Francis True Value. They called me up 
and I'm, I'm saying, what's up? And you guys know Tim, Tim Rich was on it. Tim was here with us Christmas TV service, which was just awesome. And Tim says, or one of the, one of his workers called me and said, hey, we know you as the Bridge Church do a lot to reach our community. Do you know people that we could touch, maybe people that are in need? Did you catch that? Then all the city going, hey, you know, church. That's the beginning of the revival that God wants to do. We get to be part of that. He's not doing it because of us. He's doing it for him through us. Number 10, his last one. This is the biggest one. This is what I want you to get today. People in the church become owners, not just renters. Okay? This no longer is just my church and other small church land. This is your church. Okay? Renters have rights. Owners have responsibilities. And we have to understand that it's not just Pastor Matt, Pastor Chris's job to minister to the people in the body. It's your job to minister to the people within the body. And as a result, this is what happens. People serve Jesus by serving others. Instead of us just going, I'm good. I got my hour into the week. God's calling you to something. I don't know what it is, but raise the keys. Two things this morning. I'm going to invite our usher. Why don't you guys come down forward right now? Two things this morning. If you're a guest visiting with us, I want you to feel no obligation to give financially. Now, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, ignore me and listen to him. Number two, okay? And if you're a bridge member, we tithe. We give on to God. Not next weekend, but the following weekend for 30 minutes after church, we have our, our business meeting where I share a little vision about what's happening, what God's doing, and some incredible things and missionaries that we have been um, supporting the last few years. That's been awesome. So be here for that. It's been an awesome youth group night coming up this Wednesday night. They're giving away a ton of stuff. They're playing giant Plinko game. It's going to be great. So number one, continue to give generously to God. Number two is this. You have that net card on it this morning. I want you to say this how I'm going to serve. Circle whatever's on the back. A bunch of things. Anything. You're going, you know what? I know I'm the immediate director. Or if you're going, you know what? I'm not sure yet. It's okay. That's okay. But I know that God has called us to be here. And if that's the case, if God's speaking to me, He's also speaking to you. Let's pray and then we're going to receive this, this last song together. Lord, I thank you so much that we can look at your scripture in the Old Testament of what you did in the life of Jonah through the king of Nineveh, and what you did in the Ninevites. God, you had your way there, and I pray you have your way here. This morning, if any of us, Lord, do not believe in you, would we not leave this place until we say yes to Jesus? And secondly, God, I pray that you continue to utilize this church. God, I pray that we'd be uncomfortably full, God, so that we can continue to encourage each other and reach out to each other and reach those, Lord, that maybe people have given up on. Maybe they feel alone. Maybe they feel distant. They just need some kind of love valued and they're accepted right where they're at. Would you use us to do that? And God, in areas of servanthood, where you're calling us to do, I pray that we step into those roles joyfully and it'd be life-giving for us and those on the receiving end. Have your way and be blessed today. God, we give you this time, Lord, as today we end this 21-day fast. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.